Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A married couple, married when they were 20, having been married 30 years, took an anniversary trip to the Bahamas, and walking along the beach, they came across a little bottle. They picked up the bottle and rubbed the bottle, and a genie came out. This is not a true story. <laughs> and the genie said to the woman, married 30 years to this man, now 50 years old, the genie said to her, I will grant you one wish. And she said, oh, genie, I don't need any wishes. You see, I have everything that I have. You see, I married my high school sweetheart when I was 20 years old, and, and I love him dearly, and the very source of my love for him is Almighty God. And so I have no need for wishes. I have everything I need. And so the genie, passing her by, says to the man, I will grant you one wish. And he looked at his wife and said, you're not going to like this. He said, but you know, I'm 50 years old now, and you know, it was fine for the first 30 years, but you know, the source of my love is that, you know, she used to be quite beautiful, and now she's getting older, and so you know what I really want, Jeannie, is I want to be walking on this beach with a woman 30 years younger than I am. And the genie said, your wish is granted. Pfft, you're 80. <laughs> you see, the first had as the source of love God himself. The second had an earthly or fleshly love. Last week, we spoke about God's love for each and every one of us and his desire truly to have a relationship with us based on love. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ saith: Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. It does not say, as I said last week, thou shalt obey the Lord thy God. Or thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. Or thou shalt fear, that is, to be in awe of the Lord thy God. All those things are important, but the relationship that God desires with us is not based firstly on obedience or worship or fear. The relationship God desires with us is one of love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and from this love shall come our obedience our worship, and our awe of God, and a living out of our faith. But it first must be established in love. We spoke of God himself as being love itself. The only true source of love in the creation is the creator himself. 1 John 4, 7-8, and then verse 16. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love 
does not know God, for God is love. This is repeated in verse 16. So we know and believe the love God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So the relationship that God calls us to is one, firstly, foremost, of love. Every other good thing comes from this relationship. For to know the love of God is to know God. And to have the love of God within us is to have God himself within us. And to share the love of God with another is to share God with them. From the beginning, God loved us. He created us out of love in his image, in his likeness. He created us because he loves us and desires to bestow that love on us. And we who are called in Christ by faith in baptism, we partake in Christ Jesus, the very love of God incarnate, the love of God having become man, the love of God having stretched out his arms upon the cross for our sins, that sin and death need no longer be the final word over us. The very love of God which rose from the dead and is poured out, the scriptures tell us, into our hearts by, Paul, say the Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Paul. Very good, Bob. That's right. Amen. Try to pay attention here, Paul, will you? <laughs> I'm giving you the answers, and you you're still have that look. <laughs> the love of God is poured out into our hearts for the Holy Spirit. Do you think that it's so the love of God can fill us more and more so that we can grow fat on the love of God and become like that girl that ate the blueberry gum in, in uh, the Willy Wonka factory? What did she eat? Willy Wonka? What was her name? Baruka? Ah, okay. That's it. We're not supposed to become like her. We're not supposed to grow fat on the love of God. What are we supposed to do? Share the love of God. And you see, that's the very next part. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ saith: Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Not thou shalt love thy neighbor if they're not a pain in the butt. Not thou shalt love thy neighbor if they mow the grass for you. Not thou shalt love thy neighbor if you know them really well. It says thou shalt love thy neighbor and equates it with love of God. For the second is like unto the first. We are to love our neighbor with the very love that God has poured out into our hearts. Or else we do not truly know God. Now we are not saved by loving our neighbor. We are saved by the grace of God. 
Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We trust not in ourselves. We trust not in what we do or what we fail to do. We trust not in this world. We trust not in philosophies or any other thing in this world. We trust only in Jesus for our life and salvation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Wow. That's... Okay. We trust only in him, for it is by grace. But if we truly have the love of God within our hearts, if we are truly saved, we cannot help but love as we are loved and forgive as we are forgiven. If we can't forgive someone, then we fail to understand the forgiveness we have received by Jesus in his cross. And we are still bound by unforgiveness, one of the greatest cancers known in this world. We are to love as we are loved. We are to forgive as we are forgiven. And we are to share this good news as we have received this good news. From the beginning, this is how God established the relationship. But when we fell out of right relationship with God, when we turned away from God, and remember, God isn't there waiting to zap us, right? Have you ever like, um, had, like hid in a little corner waiting for someone to come when they're, you, know, you tell the kids not to come in and then they come in to where you told them not to and you're standing right in the corner behind them and then you go, and they go, ah, that's not God. That's just me, as weird as I am. That's what I do to my poor children. But that's not God. God's not waiting there to zap you when you do wrong. It's because God is life. When we turned from God, we chose in our free will to move away from life. Therefore, the consequence of choosing to turn away from life is death. That's what sin is. It's missing the mark. It's falling short. Right? If God is light and we move this way, then we're moving towards darkness. If God is truth and we move this way, then we're moving towards lies. So it's not so much... God waiting to zap us for when we do wrong, but rather a God who offers us his love, but loves us even when we turn from him and always calls us back. So from the moment of the fall, God searched out man. In Genesis 3, 9, it says, The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? That is right from the beginning. God was searching for man. And then a few verses later, in verse 15, he gives us the first promise of our salvation. Genesis 3.15, God says, I will put enmity between you, that is the serpent, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So first God searches for us, and then he gives us the promise. And what is that promise? that he will search for us until the very end. That he will search for us to bring us home if we but repent, which means to turn around in the right direction and to move back towards his love, his light, his goodness, his truth. 
the beauty of God. And you see, when we're moving that way, we can't help but love others because we're being filled more and more with the love of God, the light of God, the truth of God, the goodness of God. How can I judge Stephen if God has taken me and, and judgment is gone? I am not condemned in Christ, but saved. How can I not forgive Brian? He didn't really do anything to me, but how can I not forgive Brian if God has forgiven me? How can I fail to share the truth with Tim if God has shared the truth with me? If I love God, then I love those whom he loves. Have you ever come to know someone really, really well and they talk about their family all the time and then you meet their family and you're so excited to meet them because they're so important to that person that you've come to know? Is everyone with me on that? Like God bless her, Tony, who we laid to rest just this past week, always talking about her family. Always talking about her family, loving them. And she, the first time we met her, she said, you've got to meet my sister Fran, which wasn't a request, by the way. <laughs> you need to meet my cousins. You need, and then there's the, you should have met my mother, and you should have met me, you know. You know. And, and all of these people become important to me because as I loved Tony, I came to love those whom she loves. Does that make sense? So how can we love God and not love those whom he loves? But the good news is you don't have to love any, everyone. You only have to love those for whom Jesus died. I say that all the time until everyone goes, ah, right? That is everyone. That is everyone. And so, first God searches for us, and then he gives us the promise in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman. And the woman here is not Eve. The woman here is Mary. The one who will be the door through whom God himself, the very love of God, Jesus Christ, will enter the world. And between your seed, that is sin and death, and her seed, that is Jesus, who is forgiveness and life. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is, he shall stand over you in victory. And though for a time you will wound him at his heel, that is, he will attack the church, ultimately he shall be crushed under the foot of Jesus. If we love God, then we must love other people. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. God searches for us, he gives us the promise, and then he fulfills the promise in Jesus Christ. And so whatever emptiness you have in your life, whatever sin you are struggling with, whatever brokenness you have, whatever sadness has overcome you, whatever has attempted to get a hold of you, there is an answer. God is searching for you. He has given you a promise. And the fulfillment of that promise has a name. And we all know his name. And his name is to be inscribed in our heart and upon our lips and is to be shared with others. And that is the name 
of Jesus. The name of Jesus. He is the fulfillment of God's promise. He searches, he promises, and then he comes himself into the world. Verse 10 says, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be an expiation for our sins. See, we can never atone for our sins. Jesus did that on the cross. We need to but trust in the cross and not in ourselves. You know, this, this is worth repeating. A lot of you heard it a million times, but I'm, I'm going to repeat it again. Um, and this is fictitious. So the teller of the story starts off, I had a dream that I, went, that I died and that I went to heaven. And I was greeted by St. Peter. And I said, St. Peter, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of God? And St. Peter said, well, you need 1,000 points. 1,000 points? Yes, you need 1,000 points to get in. You've got to earn, right? Well, I'm a priest. Peter, oh, excuse me, Father. I didn't realize you were a priest. And he opened up the book, got to the P's and looked down, priest. An eighth of a point. An eighth of a point. I've given my whole life to Jesus as a priest. I worked night and day down there. Well, it was Jesus who gave you life. It was Jesus who called you to be a priest. It was Jesus who gave you the grace to function as a priest. It was Jesus who ministered through you. And it was to Jesus that you ministered. How many points do you want for the honor of having served your Lord as a priest? Peter says, after all, there must have been other things you'd, you've done. And I said, yes, yes, my friend. My friend Kevin, we were in college and I was his primary caregiver. He had muscular dystrophy. That actually is true. God bless Kevin. God rest his soul. Muscular dystrophy. I used to call him Doc. Kevin, MD. He said, you're weird. Yeah. I was weird then. And I took care of him. Oh, you were a primary caregiver. Well, let's just flip a couple pages here. Still in the P's, primary caregiver. A sixteenth of a point. A sixteenth of a point. How could it only be? I used to have to get up five times a night to care for Kevin. I had to bathe him. I had to get him to class. I had to help, him, help feed him. And when you ministered to him, it was the Lord who ministered through you. And it was to the Lord that you ministered. So anyway, this went on for several hours as I tried to come up with things that I had done in this life to earn my way into heaven. And so after about three hours, I said to St. Peter, how many points have I had? We'll add them up. I love these things. One and seven eighth points. One and seven eighth points. And I began to be filled with despair that I would never get into the kingdom of God. And I said, Lord, have mercy. And he said, the Lord's mercy? Let's look that up. Well, look at there. <coughs> 1,000 points come in to the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You see, it's, we can't earn our salvation. That comes from Christ. 
But if God's love is truly in us, then I will love Father Bob. I will love Bobby. I, do we have anyone but Bob's in here? I will, <laughs> I will love Sandra. I, I love Joan. I will love Monica. I will love you. We will love the stranger. We will love the person in French Hill. We will love those who hurt us, and we will pray for them, and we will fast for them, and we will forgive them because the love of God is within us. It wasn't given to us when we deserved it, so don't wait for your enemy to deserve your love and forgiveness because you'll, you'll wait an awfully long time. See, last week was all about how God desires this relationship with us in love and how we have a worth and a value and dignity not because of what we do, but because he loves us and because Jesus was willing to die for us. This week is about how that love must overflow from us into the hearts and lives of other people. Even the strangers, for they are no stranger to Jesus. When he, had, when he was on the cross, their names were written in his heart and were upon his lips. That's our calling. And if we do but this, one thing, we will fulfill all the law and the prophets, Jesus says. Because we love him as he loved us. And we love others because he loves them. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is life-changing if you open your hearts to it. This is our faith. Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen.